Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The It's All About, It's All About the Climb edition as the Bengals look to wrap up the AFC North and earn at least one home playoff game as they host the 11-4 Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up, I'll talk to NFL insider Field Yates from ESPN. He's a former scout and will share some thoughts on how the Bengals have gone from first pick in the draft to playoff contender in two years. My one-on-one player interview is with Mike Hilton, who has first-hand experience in trying to slow down Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And then Dave Lapham joins me to discuss the injury and COVID-impacted situation at linebacker and what it's going to take to beat the Chiefs. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza. I'm recording this podcast from Dallas, where I'll be broadcasting the Cotton Bowl on Friday. And if you're ever here, I highly recommend visiting the Sixth Floor Museum, which chronicles the life, assassination, and legacy of President John F. Kennedy. It's located in the former Texas School Book Depository Building, where Lee Harvey Oswald shot and killed the president. The museum covers that, as well as the various conspiracy theories surrounding the assassination. As I said, if you're ever in Dallas and haven't been there, it is well worth your time. Now, let's get to Sunday's game between the team that's currently the number one playoff seed in the AFC, Kansas City, and the team that's currently number three, Cincinnati. A Bengals win would clinch the AFC North. And I discuss that and more with a former NFL scout now working for ESPN. Our guest is ESPN NFL insider Field Yates. Field, what did you think of the Bengals going into the season and what do you think of them now? Well, I had some optimism, but I would be lying if I thought they would be nine and six entering week 17 of the NFL season. And I'm glad to be wrong in this case. I thought that Joe Burrow's leap was predictable, but I'm not sure that anybody saw. Well, I should say not anybody, but there were I think there were more people that would have expected a smaller leap than the one that we have seen from Joe. Uh, But I'm so thrilled that not only is the offense playing well, I think perhaps the most surprising part, I think, to many has been just how sturdy this defense has been all season long for the most part. And I think what the Bengals offseason will be characterized by in 2021 is that basically every major investment that they made has worked out and worked out at an extremely high level. And I think part of the reason why they played so well defensively is because somebody like Trey Hendrickson or Chidobia Woozy has played as well as each of them has to see that, to see it manifest itself over not just the early portion of the season when they were a nice story, but to sustain all the way to a likely playoff spot, I think as Bengals fans, justifiably extremely excited. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Hendrickson and Wujier because you're from a scouting background. You worked with the Chiefs and the Patriots in the past. Evaluate what the Bengals have done between free agency and the draft over the last couple of years in building this roster. Yeah, so I understand that it's frustrating when you're a team that's picking in the back-to-back years in the top five, and that was obviously the case with Cincinnati, but the reality is that the ha- there is a sliver of hope, and the sliver of hope is that you can turn those premium picks 
into foundational pieces. We know the NFL draft is much more art than science. We understand that they're going to be players taken first or second or third overall that won't work out every single year. Uh, but they're also going to be years when you draft a quarterback first and then you follow that up by taking a wide receiver fifth and they end up being the kind of pieces that you could vision envision turning into 10 or 12 or 15 year superstars for your organization and then expands beyond just Joe Burrow and also Jamar Chase. T Higgins has been unbelievable. Logan Wilson prior to his recent injury has been exceptional as well. They've gotten basically excellent production in each of the first three rounds these past two years, which I think is critical to their success success. And then looking at the free agency side of it, we understand the perils of free agency. We have seen many a team overspend in free agency. And part of the reason why there's some danger involved is that if a player is really good in the NFL, a team might not be motivated to let him reach the point of free agency because they want to invest in that player by retaining him on an extension or a new deal prior to the open market. Well, the Bengals found players at different levels this year. Obviously, Trey was the biggest spending uh, free agent pickup this year on defense, and he was a player whose production during his final year in New Orleans obviously was far more significant than what it was during the previous three years. And some people wondered, is this an outlier year? Is this the, the contract year blow up? Or is this the sign of a guy who's just reaching his apex and could continue from there? And I would say with at least a half sack in 11 straight games, Trey Hendrickson has proved he's more than just a one hit wonder, obviously plays with all out effort at all time, but he's powerful. He's got great explosiveness off the edge. He's been a foundational piece for them and a guy that I think has a chance to go from a high priced veteran free agent signing to a bargain free agent signing or a value free agent signing by the time it's all said and done. Interesting point. Our guest is Field Yates from ESPN. Joe Burrow was incredible last week, 525 yards and four touchdowns. He doesn't have the cannon of Josh Allen. He doesn't have the legs of Lamar Jackson. What is Joe Burrow's superpower in your opinion? Well, I think his confidence is something that cannot be quantified, and I'm sure you see it much more being around him, or at least during normal times, being around him much more. It's pretty clear to me that there's an infectious energy that is involved with playing with Joe Burrow, and this is a league where you can't predict what's going to happen every single week. You might be up big, you might be down big, but my sense is that if the Bengals fall behind, no matter who they're playing, where they're playing, and when they're playing, Joe Burrow's not going to flinch. He has this moxie about him that makes me think he's more like 33 as opposed to 23 or 24, now 25 years old in the next few years. He plays certainly well above his age. I think that part is really, really clear. And then he's got an unbelievable ability to distribute the right place at the right time. He's processing things so fast right now that it feels like Joe knows what the defense is going to do as much as the defense knows what it's going to do on a snap in and snap out basis. That's why all of these wide receivers are playing well right now, as we know. And I love this stat. And I'm going to keep using it until, I don't know, at least the season is over that you've got two 1,000-yard receivers, you've got a 1,000-yard runner, you've got a 4,000-yard passer. All of them are 25 or younger. It's never happened ever in the history of the NFL. And Tyler Boyd is a little bit above the age of 25, has a real shot to reach 1,000 yards as well. We're talking about, and you probably have better perspective than I would, but like I think this has a chance to go down as one of the most exciting and best offensive seasons in franchise history. Is that the best young nucleus of skill position talent of any team in the NFL? 
they've got a darn good case for it. And I'm sure that there are people in their fan bases that would try to make their case for it. But this year, I don't think it's debatable. That's been the best sort of one, two, three punch at wide receiver, number one running back, and then also a quarterback as well. They've just been so good. And it's kind of been each one of them doing some heavy lifting during different portions of the season. You know, Jamar Chase was incredible. Four of his first 16 catches find the end zone for a touchdown. T Higgins has been on fire the past four or five weeks. You know, Joe Mixon had that nine straight games in which he scored at least one touchdown, plus the four straight games in which he scored at least two touchdowns. And then Joe has been steady for the most part the entire season, because as we all know, ultimately, no matter how great your wide receivers and your running backs are, if your quarterback is not playing at a high level, it's really difficult to function offensively every single week. So Joe's been rock solid. Uh, it's been a really fun week to a season team to watch all season. And I know I keep, I don't want to make Tyler just a footnote. Tyler Boyd has been really good for them in critical moments recently. I mean, he had the long touchdown this past week that helped break that game open. He nearly had a second one late that I've got to be honest with you. I thought that might've been a catch in the end zone, but I understand why the replay reviews turned it over, but uh, fun to watch. And I feel like this team is sort of just scratching the surface right now. Our guest is Field Yates. You can follow him on Twitter at Field Yates. We've obviously touched on many of the Bengals strengths. What question marks do you still have about this team with two games to go? Um, I think there's probably, and this is something that's out of their control, but until you see a team do it in the playoffs uh, with the current nucleus that they have, you want to see them do it. Uh, Joe Burrow, it's not a fault of theirs, right? I mean, it's not Joe Burrow's fault that he hasn't won a playoff game before. He's never lost one either before, right? <laughs> so uh, you got to get there first before we can start to judge the merits of you. That's probably the one thing that I think any team that's got relatively fresh blood at some of the key spots is going to have to answer in the playoffs. So they're one of those teams this year in the AFC. There are a couple of others that might be in that same group. If the Chargers wind up in the playoffs, same question applies to Justin Herbert, Joe's draft classmate. And then, you know, I think this year in the AFC for a while it was looking like maybe it was going to be uh, a defensive conference as you've got teams like the Chiefs playing really well on defense the Patriots have been playing really well on defense for much of this year Buffalo's got great strength on defense even if they had a couple of games that weren't quite what they were looking for during the middle of the season but it feels like we're starting to see a much more balanced group in the AFC and I think that ultimately one team's going to be happy at the end of this year and NFL is the NFL is different and it's NBA and MLB and NHL counterparts and that it's not best of seven. It's best of one on any given Sunday. So uh, playing your best football is going to apply. And I know the Bengals have, have they've learned that lesson this year with some difficult losses to unexpected opponents. That's going to be the challenge once we get to the postseason, assuming they do make it, which I like their chances very much right now. Um, and they're going to be tested even these next two weeks. Right. I mean, Kansas City is certainly profiles this. I made this comparison. If the NFL sent college game day or we had the equivalent of college game day and they were sending it to a game each week it would be in Cincinnati this weekend to watch the Chiefs and the Bengals I like the sound of that well let's talk about the Chiefs this is a team that started three and four they had a couple of blowout losses early this year and now they've run off eight consecutive wins what are a couple of things the Bengals must do to have a chance to to beat Kansas City on Sunday you know, it's kind of become old news because it's been something teams have been doing for much of this year. But I think it's evident that what you have to do against the Chiefs is you have to make sure that if they're going to beat you on offense, it's going to be more death by a thousand paper cuts than it will be a quick strike 75 yard touchdown. 
the Chiefs played Philly early this season. And that was kind of the one game where Patrick Mahomes really had his way and just threw the ball way behind the deep safeties on too many occasions. Tyreek Hill scored three times in that game. If you fast forward to some of the games that Patrick Mahomes has played more recently, he's been good. He was good against the Raiders twice. He was good against the Steelers this past week. But he had a couple of games where he was a little bit more, more a little bit more mortal. And that felt like what teams were doing were basically, no matter what happens, Nothing gets getting behind us. We talk about the two deep safety alignment that so many defenses are relying upon this year to make sure that quarterbacks don't beat them down the field. I think that's a big part of what the Chiefs have done really well for a long time is those explosive plays. Bengals can't do that. And then on offense, this is going to sound so boring and so simple, but I, as, mu as much as I watch the NFL this year and the more and more I watch it, the more and more that I see games where teams that we don't expect to lose do lose, it becomes clear to me you have to win the turnover battle, and you have to be good on third down. I think about a game last week, the Texans hosting the Chargers. The Texans are a team that we know they got a lot of roster reparations they need to make at some point. But ultimately, they were the better team in the turnover department than the Chargers, and they were the better team on third down as well. That's the difference between winning and losing in the NFL. The Chiefs, if they have a third and 12 situation, not only is a conversion on third and 12, not only is it a fresh set of downs, that's just demoralizing to a defense, right? Third and 12, you're thinking to yourself, eight or nine out of 10 times, we're forcing a punt or a field goal. That, when, when a defense allows a big conversion, that to me, I think, can change the confidence level that they're playing with. So I know it sounds like, like the least spicy analysis that I could ever give, but you got to be good in the turnover department. You got to be really good in th on third down. If you're not, then the Chiefs, they're just too talented against most opponents that they're just going to end up finding a way to win. That might be simple. It certainly didn't sound boring to me. Field Yates, great stuff. We appreciate your time. Keep up the great work and thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Dan. And happy for all the Bengals fans out there that should really be uh, soaking up all this excitement right now. It's a good time to be a Cincinnati fan. And no matter how much fun we're having this year, I think there's even more good stuff ahead as well. So Field Yates says the Bengals secondary can't give up the deep ball. They've got to try to force Patrick Mahomes to methodically march up the field and hope he makes a couple of mistakes. One member of the Bengals secondary who has faced Mahomes before is Mike Hilton, and he joined me this week for my one-on-one -on -one player conversation. Mike, you signed a four-year contract with the Bengals, and I know you expected Cincinnati to become a contender, but did you expect it to happen this fast? Oh, I had an idea. Um, you know, one, just playing these guys, I always knew the type of talent they, that they had over here. And well, once I signed and see who we drafted and other free agents we brought in, I was just like, yeah, we, we have all the ingredients to, to, to be a Super Bowl contender. You know, uh, we've been playing well this year and, you know, we, we got a big one Sunday. So we're, ex we're all excited for, for, for this opportunity. This team appears to have great chemistry and camaraderie. Is that true? And is it a big reason why you're in first place? Absolutely. Um, number one, you, you got to be a tight group. These are guys that you're with 24-7, you know, guys that you're with more than your family sometimes. So, you know, you, you got to be able to connect on and out the field. And, you know, it, it does nothing but just bring you together and just build build that confidence and, and, and that chemistry that, that can lead to wins. And we, we, we've been doing that well this year. We're chatting with Mike Hilton. This might be hard for you to answer, but in addition to your play on the field, what impact do you think you've had on the secondary as a group? 
just being a veteran presence, being being that common effect. Um, you can ask any other guys. Uh, you know, I I just try to be the the one in the ear that's keeping us calm, even if we give up a big play or give up a penalty or something like that. You know, I, I'm always the guy to all right, guys. You know, let let's focus in, let's lock in, let's do our job and get off the field. So I, I just feel like just being being that voice in the room and keeping keeping guys calm and ready to play. You've got a one game lead with two games to go, but it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride of a season. You've got four wins over the Steelers and the Ravens, and all of those games were by two touchdowns or more. But there were losses to the Jets and the Bears. There was a lopsided loss to the Browns. Is that just a sign of a young team that's learning to contend? Absolutely. Um, you can point to a couple of plays here and there throughout those losses that if we make that play, you know, it's it's pretty much a win. You know, Green Bay, we make one of the field goals. Um, Jets, you know, if they don't call the penalty on me, you know, who who knows where, where we could be now. But it's just a part of the learning and growing process of it. And, you know, uh, it, it's good that we're getting that experience this year. Let's talk about Sunday's game against the Chiefs. You faced Patrick Mahomes before in your years with the Steelers. It was actually one of his signature games in his MVP season. He threw six touchdown passes. The shootout, 42 to 37, was the final score. It's one thing for us to watch that guy on TV. It's another thing to compete against him. What stood out to you? Man, is what everybody sees is arm strength. And the, the way he can get outside the pocket and just make make throws that not many quarterbacks can make. Um, he, he's confident in his guys, of course, starting with Kelsey and Hill. You know, those are his go-to guys, and they're, they're, they're explosive playmakers. So we know as a defense, we, we got to do our best to contain them. And what we've been saying is contain the second half of the play because he's going to extend plays and get outside the pocket and look for those shots downfield. So we know defensively, and especially as a secondary, we, we got to be smart and play top down. Let's talk specifically about Kelsey. In their last game, he had 10 catches for 191 yards. This is the sixth consecutive year. He's had more than 1,000 yards, a record for a tight end. Of the many great tight ends in the league that you face, what makes Kelsey unique? He's probably the best run after catch tight end that I personally played against. Um, he, he's obviously a big dude, 6'4", 6'5", 250, but he, he can run like a receiver. He, he makes cuts like a receiver. He's, he's just real athletic, and it presents problems to defenses because he could be a mismatch. Too athletic for linebackers, too big for safety. So he, he's a guy that we're definitely going to key on, on on Sunday and you know, do, our, do our best to contain him. What's a week like this like for you, the buildup to a huge game at the end of the year with so much at stake? Oh, it's everything. Um, a lot of guys have actually asked me, like, just how, how does this feel? I'm just like, guys, this, this is what we've been fighting for. You know, uh, I, be, I told them I've been down this road before playing meaningful games in late December. And I just told them, like, don't, don't change up anything. Just treat it as another week. You know, we, we, of course, we know a lot more is at stake. But if we if we do everything that we did to get us here, you know, uh, the outcome can be the same for us on Sunday. So guys are excited about the challenge and we're ready, ready to play. You can clinch the division with a win over the Chiefs. But beyond that, people are wondering now if Cincinnati is a legitimate contender to advance in the postseason. Make the case for why you think the Bengals are. I believe we got all the ingredients. Um, it, it starts we, we have a honestly, I think, a top five quarterback already. Uh, he, he's a guy that he's a general. He, he keeps the offense calm and, you know, just gets them moving. And we feel like on the defensive end, we're, we're able to go and get after the quarterback up front, you know, and on the back end, we're able to get our get takeaways and find ways to 
put our offense on a short field. So we know if we do those things consistently and just, just play our game, you know, uh, we'll have a real good shot of making a deep run. It's been a great season so far, and you've been a huge part of it. I appreciate your time. Best of luck against the Chiefs. Thanks, Dan. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Ultimate Bengals will be awarding a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Now, time for my weekly chat with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Well, the Bengals have some great wins, most notably four wins over the Ravens and Steelers by at least two touchdowns. But you can make the case that they've lost to the three best teams that they've faced, Green Bay, San Francisco, and the Chargers. Do you view this game as a litmus test for just how good the Bengals are? I I do, Dan, in in a lot of ways. I mean, I I think it's an opportunity, um, you know, to to show that they've come even further than people think they've come. And I think that's that's important. You know, you look at the season – uh, like you say, the, the the teams they've beaten and the teams that they haven't, you know, it's it's like, all right, well, who are they? What are they? Uh, they've never lost more than two in a row. They've never won more than two in a row. This would be their first time to have a three-game winning streak all season long, in my mind, against the best football team on their schedule. So this is a big opportunity for them to to show the world they belong, I think. As we were calling the game in real time last week, I never really felt like the Bengals were trying to make a statement, for lack of a better expression, for how they were throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. I just thought that they were trying to keep doing what was working against the Ravens. But clearly, I am in the minority because most of our colleagues in the media certainly felt like they were making a statement. With a few days to reflect, what do you think of that whole notion? You know, I, I think they were doing what they needed to do to, to win a football game. Um, and, that, you know, Joe, Joe, basically the big throw, the big controversial throw to Joe Mixon was just a football player reacting uh, on instincts to an opportunity to make a play, you know, and, uh, um, and he did it. He did it on his own. I mean, he said it, Zach said it, that it wasn't necessarily uh, scripted to be that way, but he made a play and you got to make a first down. You know, I mean, make a first down and in games like that, as a as a former player, you want to end the game if you can by taking a knee. I mean, you want to end the football game on your terms. So if that's a statement, I guess it's a statement. But I mean, every every football team, every football player, every football coach wants to win football games and end football games on their terms. So the big news this week is Jermaine Pratt going on the COVID list. I guess there's a chance he'll be back if he passes a couple of negative tests. Uh, but at this point, let's say he is not back. What do the Bengals do? Boy, that, that's, a, that's, that's a tough one. You know, um, you, you got a linebacker trying like hell to come back as quickly as he can. Logan Wilson working his tail off in terms of, you know, rehabilitating that shoulder. And, um, but, as everybody knows, practice and the way practices are these days in the National Football League is one thing. Game condition, taking a hit, uh, sep- taking on a blocker, separating from a block, making a tackle. That's a lot different animal right there than what uh, Logan Wilson is doing right now. I guess this week in practice will be a barometer 
but he won't know until he actually plays whenever that is, if that's this week or whenever it is, how that shoulder is going to hold up. Um, but, you know, th there's no way that the medical team is going to put him out there if they feel like he's not able to handle it physically. But, you know, when you're talking about injuries like that, you just never know. So let's say that neither one of those guys is able to play. No Pratt, no Logan Wilson. Does that mean an Austin Calitro or a Clay Johnston or somebody like that winds up playing a lot? Or do you think it's more likely that they change the rules of the secondary and that Von Bell becomes more of a linebacker in this game? Yeah, I mean, they've they options. That, that's the thing is, is that Lou Anarumo, you know, has options. And, and honestly, this football team, the Kansas City Chiefs, are a throw-first football team. So if you were to pick, you know, maybe an offense where you might be a little bit thin at the linebacker position in terms of defending, this might be, you know, one that you might choose um, because you do have a safety in Von Bell that's very physical and, and can play that hybrid-type linebacker safety uh, role that the, the Bengals would need. But yeah, there, there are options there. And like you said, you know, Marcus Bailey, Clay Johnston, Austin Calitro, Keandre Jones, they're all on the roster for a reason. You know, I mean, they, they, they belong in the National Football League. So I'm sure, I'm sure Lou Anarumo will be changing up his personnel packages, changing up how he lines them up, changing up his coverages. Uh, I think he's, I don't, I don't think he's going to show the same thing to uh, a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes two times in a row very often. I think it's going to be a lot of different looks. Let's talk about Travis Kelsey. It's my understanding that he has purchased a luxury box for the Cotton Bowl, so he is going to watch his beloved Bearcats take on Alabama. Here's hoping Cincinnati wins and Travis really parties hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in any case, when it comes to defending tight ends, in week 11, Darren Waller had seven catches for 116 yards against Cincinnati. Three weeks ago, George Kittle, 13 catches for 151 yards against Cincinnati. Last week, Mark Andrews, eight catches for 125 yards against Cincinnati. How do the Bengals or anybody in the NFL slow down Travis Kelsey? Yeah, and Travis Kelsey has, you know, having played the quarterback position, and that, that's he went to UC out of high school as a quarterback. They have an understanding uh, of, of how to – read coverages better than anybody because they've been reading them on the other end. So the, the, the mental telepathy beyond the same page between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is unbelievable. When he runs routes, he'll make adjustments on the way he sees the coverage unfolding and Mahomes is on the exact same page as him. You know, it's, they'll, they'll, they'll change the, uh, the actual route uh, from, from, the snap of the football to when they're in the, in the process of uh, executing the play and they'll both be right there uh, with each other in terms of what they're seeing. They see it through the same eyes. So I think that's what makes Kelsey even tougher to defend is that, you know, he, he has such a feel for his route running, finding holes in, in zone defenses. He's, he's very slippery. Uh, he's, he's a great run after catch guy. His mentality is, honestly, it is. Every time I get my hands on the football, I'm going to score. He has that kind of mindset. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a real, real challenge. And you talk about um, 
not giving the same look to Patrick Mahomes. Can't do it to Kelsey either. I, I think you got to run a myriad of people. Uh, they're going to be doubling him different ways, uh, different, try to give him different things to read, make it tougher on him. Don't make it easy for Kelsey to come off the line of scrimmage and, and, and see exactly what he wants to see uh, and, and make it easy for him to see it in for a long day if you do that. Lap early this year, it looked like the Chiefs might be vulnerable. They started the season three and four. They lost to Buffalo by 18. They lost to Tennessee by 24. And they haven't lost since. They've won eight in a row. When you watch this team, do you see an area at this point where you think they're vulnerable? Boy, you know, I, I really I really don't. You know, I mean, you look at offense, defense. The offense is playing at a very high level. There's no question about it. The offensive line, I think, is really gelled. They're playing very, very well now. The protection that they gave Mahomes um, in, in, in the recent games here is unbelievable. I mean, literally, you can count to five, six, seven seconds. Mahomes is in the pocket, you know, patting the football. It's unbelievable how that offensive line is gelled. Uh, defensively, in, the, in their eight-game winning streak, they're only giving up 13 points a game. And then special teams... Uh, you know, they're, they're great in that area. They're number one in the NFL covering punts, fourth returning punts, sixth uh, returning kickoffs, and fifth covering kickoffs. So this is, this is a complete football team, Dan. There is no doubt about it. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm basically thinking that my strength of my football team are those three wides. So I'm going to try to do everything I possibly can to uh, – to accentuate my strength and, 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 you know, force, force the uh, Kansas city chiefs in, on the back end to play at a very, very high level. And I, I'm not saying that they're the weak spot by any stretch. Uh, but you know, I, I think, uh, I think that that, that is going to be the interesting thing to me. And I, I do think that it, it's interesting, both quarterbacks, they, they will create and extend, and, and they cause controlled chaos as a result of creating and extending plays. I think the quarterback that handles the controlled chaos better and doesn't make it chaotic, you know, uh, in other words, make plays and don't force it and make an error or make a mistake, it's going to be big in this football game as well. And that was a weakness of Mahomes, uh, but he's, he's settled down in that regard. He's not trying to, you know, hit the home run every single play now he's taking what the defense is giving him more, but in a, in a tight football game, I, I think maybe, you know, I, I got to go make a play. My team may, needs me to go make a play. Uh, Joe Burrow would probably be thinking along those same lines, which quarterback is going to handle the controlled chaos better. It's going to be big. I think. Andy Reid, like you, as a former offensive lineman, he didn't make it as far as the NFL like you did, but he played at a high college level at BYU when Jim McMahon was quarterback. He became an offensive line coach. Frank Pollock was among the players that he coached, uh, then an offensive line coach in the NFL, and then obviously a great NFL head coach. What do you think stands out the most about Andy Reid and his teams? You know, uh, it's interesting. The first time I met Andy Reid, was I was doing big 12 games and I was doing a Missouri game. Bob Stoll was the head coach and he had Andy Reed coming right out of uh, BYU um, and he didn't make it in the NFL. So he wanted to get into coaching and he hired him as a graduate assistant type deal. And uh, I got to meet him 
talked to him a little bit, smart as a whip. I mean, very, very smart guy. You know, not just football, but overall intelligence. And I, I think, I think he's, he's so creative with what he does and, and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll attack the six hole eight different ways. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's one of those kind of guys. I think that he is always striving to be better, always trying to figure out a, another way to, you know, to, to, to crack, you know, to, to crack the, the uh, code and, and make life miserable for defensive coordinators. I think that he is uh, as, as good a play caller as there is in the, in the history of the national football league. I really believe that this guy, this guy is very, very sharp. All right. Last thing. We are not speaking face to face this week. We are speaking via zoom since you are in Cincinnati and I am in Dallas for the cotton bowl. You yes. have called the cotton ball several times on national TV. What do you think about UC's chances against Alabama? You know, I, I think that uh, it's, it's all going to come down to how UC competes in the trenches. I, I have full confidence that UC can can stack up with anybody at the skill spots. And, and I'm talking offense and defense, you know, I, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that they're not good up front offensively and defensively, but the SEC is really good um, as a conference in that area. I mean, they have multiple studs, you know, on their offensive and defensive lines. That's the one thing I noticed, uh, you know, doing games, college games, when the Big 12 would go play an SEC team, be like, wow, they, they are, they do have meat on the hoof, man. They get some big boys in their offensive and defensive lines. And if UC can compete, uh, you know, I'm not saying dominate. I, I think that'd be tough to do, but if they can compete, they can hold their own in the trenches. They have a hell of a chance of winning the football game because if, if they, if they, if, if the offensive line allows UC skilled players to perform and the defensive line doesn't make it life, you know, too easy for Alabama skilled people, I think that's what it boils down to. It's, it's all about what's going on up front. That's what I will be looking for here in Dallas. And if UC wins and qualifies for the national championship game, I promise you, I will let Travis Kelsey do the partying here in Dallas. And I will remain in tip top shape for our game on Sunday. There you go. I, I appreciate that. And I have, I have full confidence uh, in that. And I, I tell you what, I hope Kelsey's hung over like a big dog. That'd be great. <laughs> I hear uh, Patrick Mahomes might be coming with him, seriously. So uh, hopefully that's the case. They have a good old time, and they're a little bit slow to answer the bell on Sunday. Yeah, really. How about that? That, that, would, be, uh, that would be awesome. Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey in the luxury suite at the Cotton Bowl. That's big stuff. All right, Lab. Appreciate your time. See you Sunday. All right, Dan. Have a great call. Good luck, and uh, go Bearcats. Sunday's game kicks off at 1 o'clock, and the Bengals are a five-point underdog. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play, next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.